thank you for tuning into A Spirit-Led Life with HMI. We hope you enjoyed today's session with Pastor Dion Hockey. Hi everybody and welcome to another session of Healing Ministries International as I'm teaching on the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My name is Dion Hockey and I'm glad to be with you in your living room or there where you're watching from. I want to say thank you to Pastor Andre and Jenny for allowing us to uh, be able to spend this time with you. I want to get immediately into the Word and I want you to open your Bible in the book of John chapter 3 and we're going to read verse 1. That's John chapter 3 verse 1. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Wow, there's so much information that I want to share with you on this portion of Scripture. Number one, we see here that here is a guy by the name of Nicodemus. He's a ruler of the Jews. Let me tell you, he's not, you know, he's not some pathetic guy who, you know, just happened to come along. He's a ruler of the Jews. He's a learned man. He's well informed. He knows the scriptures. Uh, he's a Jew, which means he loves God, Father God. He fears God. There is something about, uh, you know, uh, about him following Jesus and um, uh, he's mesmerized by Jesus. How do I know this? Because he comes to Jesus, first of all, by night. Have you ever wondered why he would come to Jesus by night? He was afraid of association. He was afraid of what his friends and his companions would say if he spent time with Jesus publicly in the daytime, you know. So he had to come by night. And so uh, he came to Jesus, but he said this to Jesus. He said to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. What did he see? What was so amazing about Jesus? that he would follow him. He was amazed by the signs and the wonders that Jesus was doing. Now think about this. Uh, we find Jesus, who grew up in a Jewish family, doing, you know, going through all the Jewish rituals and the traditions. And, and here we find Nicodemus, also a Jew, grew up in all the Jewish traditions and going through the Jewish rituals. We have two, two Jewish boys who grew up the same. Yet one is different from the other. And Nicodemus understood this. You know, he was, he was amazed. He was thinking, but uh, Jesus grew up the way I grew up. And, uh, but yet there is something different about Jesus and I cannot place my finger on it. He's doing things that I cannot do. He's performing miracles that I cannot do. So he was, he was searching, he was hungering for this, this amazing supernatural power that Jesus had. And I know that there are many of us who are hungry for the supernatural, that we are also searching for the supernatural power of God. But now let's look to what Jesus said to Nicodemus. This is very important. Jesus turns to Nicodemus and he says to him, Most assuredly, Nicodemus, listen to what I have to tell you. 
unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, the born again experience is a phenomenal experience. You have to be born again to be able to see the kingdom of God. Meaning that if you give your heart to Jesus, that if you want to spend eternity with God, go to heaven and spend that eternity with God, you have to be born again. That means you need to give your life to Jesus. That means you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that God raised Him from the dead. And then obviously you repent and you follow Jesus. You commit your life to Jesus. That is to spend eternity with God. Now, imagine this, Nicodemus. He's a ruler of the Jews. I mean, he's a guy who stands and preaches. He's a man who teaches the law, the gospel. And yet he didn't have this revelation of who Jesus is. I think that there are many, many people today who, who are hungering after the power of God. But there are so many people today who have never had a revelation of who Jesus is. And I want to encourage people today to get a revelation of who Jesus is. Because if you don't have a revelation, you're not going to be able to operate in the supernatural power of God. And this is what's happening to Nicodemus. I think there are many people in churches today who stand behind the pulpit and preach, who are Sunday school uh, 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 teachers, you know. There are people who run Bible studies, yet they have not had a revelation of who Jesus really is. In other words, what I'm trying to say is there's many people who are not really born again. There are many people who've ne not really given or dedicated their lives completely to Jesus. So Nicodemus is a man here who is a very learned man. Uh, but he, he doesn't understand the things of the Spirit. So he says to Jesus, think now, he's thinking car carnality, he's thinking carnal. And uh, Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So he didn't get to what Jesus is trying to say. Well, Jesus says to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. In other words, you have to be born again spiritually to be able to enter heaven. You can't get, he uh, get to heaven. You can't get saved just purely by, by being able to quote a scripture. You know, the Bible says that even the devil is afraid of Jesus, that the devil knows Jesus. And let me tell you, Satan's going to hell. He's definitely not going to heaven. So having knowledge about Jesus is not what gets you saved. You have to be born again. You have to give your life to Jesus. You have to commit your life to Jesus. And there are many people sitting in churches who have knowledge about Jesus, but who have never given their lives to Jesus. And this is what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you must be born again. The born again experience is powerful. There is so much miracles that take place when you get born again. This is one of the biggest miracles that take place is that when you say, I believe that Jesus is the son of God and I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And when you say, Jesus, I ask you, come and live in my heart. Do you know what a big miracle that is? God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit. Remember, they are three in one. They come and make their home inside of you and inside of me. 
Isn't that wonderful news? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three in one, come and make their abode, their home inside of you. They live in you and they live in me. So when we say Jesus come in, it's not just, you know, this little skinny Jesus that we have a picture hanging on a cross with thorns on his head, you know. It's not that little skinny Jesus who now climbs off the cross and now comes and lives inside of you. No, 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 no. There is a big, most powerful, glorious, wonderful God who defeated death, hell and the grave, who is now seated at the right hand of God, who has uh, uh, the power to to create the universe, who spoke the worlds into existence. You get what I'm saying? This God, this mighty God comes and he lives inside of me and inside of you. Hallelujah. So it's not just some, some little Jesus. It is the most powerful God makes his home inside of you and inside of me. I sometimes get so excited when I think about the greatness of God. The Bible says through the Psalms, you know, it says that we need to we need to praise him for his mighty works. We need to praise him for his mighty acts, you know, uh, praise him according to his greatness, praise him according to his excellence. This is what the psalmist said. So what I love about the, you know, about thinking how big God is just to try and give an idea what happens when you get born again. You know that in the beginning, the Bible says in in the book of Genesis that in the beginning, God spoke the word. You know, he formed the worlds by his spoken word. He said, let there be light. And there was light. And, you know, when he said, let there be light, his word went out and started forming the universes, forming the planets, forming the stars. There's another scripture that says that God's word will not return empty. It will not come back void to him, but it will always accomplish that which it has been sent out to do. So think about this. When Jesus said, let there be light, his word went out and it's forming, creating the stars. Amen. And that word hasn't stopped. That word is still going. Even now, after all these years of Jesus, God, when he said, let there be light, his word went out and it's still, his word is still going on. It's still producing. It's still forming. I think there are people who think that, you know, um, they're going to send a spaceship out and uh, the spaceship is going to fly. And then one day somewhere in, you know, in don't know how many years, the, the spaceship is going to hit a wall and boom, we're going to come to the end of the universe. No, friend, they will never, ever, ever, ever be an end of the universe. There's not going to be an end. They'll never find an end. It's just because God's word is still continuing going on, creating the universe. It's so powerful. Can you imagine that? Now, another scripture that I love about uh, about God is that the Bible says, watch this now, he holds the universe in the palm of his hand. Can you imagine that? God is so big that he holds the whole universe in the palm of his hand. Now imagine this. If his word is still going forth, creating the worlds, creating the universe, it's still producing right now as I'm speaking. God is watching. What uh, Are you hearing? He's watching the universe growing in his hand. <laughs> oh my goodness. Is your brain big enough to fathom how big our God is, how awesome our God is? I don't think so. I don't think that we can picture the, the greatness of the God that we serve. We cannot fathom that, how great, how powerful, how awesome He is. 
Do you know if you look at just our galaxy that we are living in, which is called the Milky Way? And when we talk about the Milky Way, you'll see every night, if you and I go out and we look up into heaven and we look to the skies, you'll see the cluster of stars that, that form that whiteness that is called the Milky Way and that we form part of the Milky Way. We're an itty little bit, an itty small planet, Earth, in between all of these millions and millions of stars that there are. And think about us as human beings, how small we are on this Earth. And then you and I want to have the audacity to tell God what to do. Come on, how crazy is that? <laughs> I just laugh at some people who want to command God to do things and to tell God what to do. You know, that's just crazy. But the point I want to bring across is now this, the, this is the good news. Okay. When you and I say, Father God, forgive me of my sins. I believe in Jesus. He's the Son of God. I believe that God raised Him from the dead. This is the wonderful thing. I say, Jesus, come and live in my heart. Think about these words. God, I'm inviting you to live in my heart. I receive you as my God and Savior. This great big God who holds the universe in the palm of His hands, He now comes and He makes His home inside of me and inside of you. That's mind-blowing, mind-blowing. And He lives inside of us. Not only does this mighty God come and live inside of us, think about His name. His name is Alpha and Omega. That means He's the beginning and the end. He is the one who was, who is, and who is to come. Isn't that wonderful? So the God that you and I serve, His name is Yahweh, Jehovah. Uh, uh, he, is, he is who He is. The, when, when He introduced Himself to Abraham, uh, to Moses, he said, um, uh, he said, Who shall I say that you are? Uh, he said that to Moses. Moses said to him, Tell them I am that I am. In other words, I'm not the one who was. I'm not the one who, who, who is going to be. I am. In other words, there is no end and there is no beginning to God. He is the great I am. What a wonderful thought that is. So when you and I, when you and I receive Christ, He comes inside of us and He lives inside of us. He is the past. He is the present and He is the future. Did you get that? God knows your past, God knows your present, and God knows your future because He is. So when God lives inside of us and we have God inside of us, He is aware of your past, He knows where you're at right now, and He knows where you're going to. So last week when I was speaking to you and I read the scripture that says there is a glory that is yet to be revealed which is inside of us. Think about this. Romans chapter 18 verse 19. The Bible says that there is a, a verse 18 and 19 says that there is this earnest expectation of the creation that is eagerly waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Paul said in verse 18, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which is to be revealed in us. 
So the world is waiting in expectancy to see this glory inside of me and inside of you that is yet to be revealed. Come on, isn't that good news? There is a power, there is an anointing, there is a glory that is to come out of you and to come out of me. So when you and I receive Christ into our lives and we receive salvation, not only are we now privileged to know that when we die, we are going to spend eternity with God in heaven, which is good news, isn't that? That's good news. That's wonderful news. But I have better news for you, is that because we have Christ living inside of us, the knowledge of God, the power of God, and everything that God is, resides inside of us and there and and God in us wants to come out of us to reveal himself to a lost and dying world hallelujah can you imagine that that there is a power inside of you there is a knowledge there is an anointing there is a glory so strong inside of you and this needs to come out of you because the world needs to see that And so not only do we get born again and saved to go to heaven, but like Jesus, when he came to the earth, the glory, the power that is inside of him came out of him. And millions of people saw this or the thousands of people, wherever Jesus went, they saw the power, they saw the anointing, they saw the glory. So when Jesus finally died and when he went up into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit in his place. Now, remember, everywhere Jesus went, the power of God was evident. You got to admit that it was evident. That's why Nicodemus was following him. Nicodemus said to him, surely there is something different about you because these signs, you know, the wonders that you are doing, God must be with you. Now, when Jesus left, he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He says, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. John 16 verse 7, 8, 9 says, It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. But when He comes, I will, you know, He will uh, convict the world of sin, of uh, righteousness and of judgment. But Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit in my place. So here's the good news. When the Holy Spirit was sent on the earth, the whole world, all of us, you and I, who are watching through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we can now do the same miracles that Jesus did. We can have that same power, that same anointing. Isn't that wonderful? So the glory which resides inside of us, God who lives inside of us, this glory can come forth because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And this is what Nicodemus was lacking. This is what Nicodemus was missing. Number one, he wasn't born again. But number two, he didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus promises us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Come on, this is good news I'm sharing with you today. There are so many people who say, no, that we don't want that. We're not interested in that. Why wouldn't you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why wouldn't you want the glory of God? Why wouldn't you want that which is inside of you to come forth? We want that anointing to come out of us so that we could be a blessing to the people around us, so that we could help people. Remember, when Jesus received the baptism, He was helping people. He was healing the sick. He was casting out devils. He was setting the captives free. 
And this is the glory that the world is waiting upon to see in the true sons and daughters of God. They want to see the glory. They want to feel and experience that anointing. I want to read to you a scripture that I find very interesting. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 17 says the following. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 1 to 7, sorry. Uh, read this with me. It is a very powerful scripture. This is Paul who is writing a letter and he is telling us about the power that he had received. Let me explain to you. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Oh, wow. Let me stop here and explain to you what's going on. Paul, the Apostle Paul, as we know him, did you know that before he was Apostle Paul, he was the Pharisee called Saul? Like Nicodemus, he too was a Pharisee. Saul feared God. He, he, he honored God. He did everything as a Jew had to do. He followed the law. But now... He sees Jesus. He sees these Christians. They are doing miracles, signs and wonders. Nicodemus was intrigued because of this power. Nicodemus followed Jesus. He was wondering why is Jesus being used and we were not being used. Amen. But now we find Saul. He is also seeing people being used by the power of God. He's seeing miracles, signs and wonders. But he got mad. He got jealous. He didn't like this. So he goes, Saul goes to get letters from the, from the high priest. And you can read all of that in the book of Acts chapter 9. But he gets letters from the high priest. And he goes so that uh, he gets permission that if he catches Christians or he gets people who's preaching Jesus or doing whatever, uh, that he may persecute them, lock them up, um, you know, throw them in jail, uh, have them killed. Uh, he just hated, he hated Christians. He didn't like these Christians that were operating in the supernatural, that was preaching this Jesus and that you can receive salvation if you would call on the name of Jesus and be saved. So he went out and he tried to catch as many people as he could to kill them. If you go and study the book of Acts chapter 5, you'll see that, that he um, had Stephen stoned and put to death. He didn't like what was being preached. But now Nicodemus, uh, sorry, uh, uh, um, Saul, he's on his way to Damascus. And as he goes, Jesus appears to him. The Bible says in Acts chapter 9, a very bright light shone around him and knocked him off of his horse. And as Saul fell to the ground, he said, he said uh, Jesus spoke to him and said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And at that point, something marvelous happened. He was so overwhelmed by the power and the glory of God. You know, he was blinded physically and uh, he, he didn't understand what was going on. So after three days, uh, God sends a, a prophet to him, a minister to him, a man of God to him and prays for him that he might receive his physical sight for he was blind. And so Saul gets born again. Saul gets gloriously saved. 
Not only is Saul saved, but like Jesus, he's water baptized. Like Jesus, he receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And not only did he receive Jesus, the baptism, but God changes his name from Saul, the Pharisee, to Paul, the born-again Christian. Hallelujah. And now all of a sudden his outlook changes. His perspective about Christianity, his perspective about Jesus changes. He goes back to his home church to go and preach to the people. Oh, I wish I had more time to share with you because my time has run out, but I will continue sharing this good news with you. That Jesus goes out to tell, uh, uh, you know, what happened. I mean, that uh, Saul, sorry, Paul, goes out to tell the people what happened to him. I will continue on this subject with you, but watch this. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Did you get that? He's telling the people, I'm not here to tell you about the law and to tell you about Moses, but I've discovered something fresh. I've discovered something new. I've discovered Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Can you imagine that? The very person he was persecuting, the things he was mad at, he is now coming to testify and tell the people of Jesus. He says, verse 3, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Did you know why he said that? He was fearing for his life. He taught the people how to, you know, he taught his own people how to hate Christians, how to persecute Christians. And now he's standing in front of them being a witness for Jesus. And he knew that those people could pick up stones and they could kill him anytime they wanted to. But what I like is verse 4. He says, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Wow, that is wonderful. My speech and my preaching are not with persuasive words of human wisdom. And this is what we find today in many churches, that there are a lot of ministers who are, who are speaking words of human wisdom. They are, you know, they are talking wonderful things, but there is something lacking. The demonstration of the power of God, the demonstration of the anointing of God. When Jesus was on the earth, what did he do? He brought a he taught the word, but he brought a demonstration of the power of God. Why did he bring the demonstration? Why did Paul bring a demonstration of the power of God? Let me quickly read verse 5. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of man but in the power of God. Your faith must not, you, you mustn't rely on the wisdom of a man. You mustn't rely on a church or a doctrine, even though that we go, you know, to churches, but have your faith on Jesus Christ. Build your faith on Jesus. I will continue next week on this subject. It's a very interesting su subject, and I want to teach you how you can also discover your destiny in the Lord. You can make a difference by partnering with us, a ministry with a heart for the lost, by visiting our website www.dionhockey.org. You will also receive exclusive content from the ministry as a thank you from Pastor Dion Hockey. 
Remember to subscribe and follow our social media pages for updates, sermons, and more information on the ministry. Thank you for listening and see you next time.